The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hog Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find Hogs Haven, all that content at hogshaven.com. You can find them on Twitter and on Facebook at Hogs Haven. You can find me, your host, Molly Mall, at Let Mall Tell It. Do not forget the you. Obviously, talking about on twitter and then i got the good man kyle smith for gm um checking in today as well uh, he's been patient enough today to to, to wait on more as i got you know some some work is going on over here and you know kyle appreciate you joining me i could i ain't gonna lie to you either i could not do this by myself at all i couldn't do it today <laughs> so i appreciate you joining me how you feeling today I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to the opportunity to talk with you about it. I know you got a lot going on in your in real life, and so uh, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, man. So what's been what's been going on with with, with you and your thoughts with the Commanders? Uh, we 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 got some topics to talk about, but I, I'll get a floor to you to just see where your mind state is with the Washington Commanders. You can take that anywhere. Obviously, we got some things to talk about, like I said. But uh, what's what's the state of mind when it comes to the Commanders for Cal? Yeah, I just feel like we're sort of at a crossroads right now. You know, after this last game, um, I I personally felt like I'd seen enough of Wentz. I know you feel a little bit differently, and I know a lot of other people feel like they'd like to give it a little bit more of a chance. And, you know, I'm sure Rivera's going to do that. But I just uh, really reached a frustration point with him. And, And I think the fans are really reaching a frustration point with Rivera and his regime, you know, early on, it was, there was a lot of um, 
anger that was directed at Jack Del Rio. But honestly, you know, I feel like the defense has played respectably for the past couple of weeks. It was not good in the beginning of the season, but for the past couple of weeks, I felt like it's pulled its uh, share of the weight. And um, and so Rivera is under a lot of heat. And, you know, obviously Rivera is not going anywhere, at least through through the end of this season. But it, it does feel like there's a um, a real a wave of discontent among the fan base, you know, with how the team's going. It's not just that they're one and three. It's that they've looked terrible for uh, these three losses, especially the last two losses. And, um, you know, I just sort of dread having to go through 13 more games of this. You know, know, a lot of us, I'm sure you're the same way, really look forward to the football season, you know, uh, to seeing how things go and at least seeing a competitive team that's going to be fun to watch. And it's just, it's not fun to watch right now, unfortunately. Yeah, it has been rough. And um, the last episode I did post-game with Dallas, you know, I I went to the game and – you know, for all this worth, I had a I had a great time, and I knew what my intention was heading out there. It wasn't, I mean, winning or losing was secondary compared to like the fun I knew I was going to have. But with that being said, when I did the post game show, I mean, obviously losing is is never it's it's still one of my priorities when I went out there. So losing is not fun, and losing in front of what eighty thousand Cowboys fans is it's even worse. <laughs> but um, when when I did the the podcast. I had my friends just do the show with me so I can make sure that, you know, people understood that, you know, he's, he's just a, he's a fan. Like he loves football. He first, he's excellent. He knows he loves football. He loves the game, he loves the sport, but you know, his NFL team is the commanders. And, you know, he's been with me since 2005. And so I know how frustrating it is. I see it on his face. Sometimes I, I, I can tell by the way he talks about the team and having him on the podcast, seeing like where his, uh, emotional investment is waning on the team. It had a lot to do with the quarterback, Carson Wentz, because he thought that Carson was a quarterback who was essentially, um, and, and, and I may be putting it too harshly, or maybe he thought that he was a savior because he thought that a lot of the talk was overblown about Carson Wentz. Like whatever talk there was in terms of his performance and ability on the field. Um, and obviously off the field, he was defending them as well, but mainly on the field, he thought that it was overblown and thought that he was a really good quarterback. And uh, seeing him play in person was the, was the one that really shook him. And we can start with Carson Wentz, Kyle, and then work our way to Ron Rivera. But um, yeah, I, I didn't agree with you in terms of benching him now. And I think it's a, a good discussion to have. Absolutely a really good discussion to have in terms of why you're for and why I'm against. And, and I guess I'll state my side um, first. And, and the reason why I felt that way, um, it had a lot to do with the head coach. But first and foremost, before I, before I get into the coach, Carson Wentz, um, you know, at this point, we kind of know who he is, right? You, you know, it, everything that we've been told about him from a um, from an outside looking in standpoint, you know, they they're accurate. Like it's it's bumps and bruises, it's, it's roller coasters with Carson Wentz, and right now, um, we have been on one of the steepest roller coasters I have ever been on in my life. Like it hasn't come, it hasn't come back up yet. <laughs> um, and this is this is kind of an uh, interesting situation for Washington because um, Carson is has had some issues in the pocket. He has had some issues with pressure and, and the offensive line is 
um, really hurt him in the sense of like having these free rushers to him and, and having these free tags on Carson, but also um, Carson Wentz having some issues in terms of being able to maneuver in the pocket and, and even see things downfield. And it's a culmination of a lot of things. Um, obviously, Scott Turner can help him as well. Uh, but but it can only go so far uh, if Scott does help and Carson Wentz can execute. But with all that being said, you reach this point heading into week five where you're one and three and you know already that he isn't the quarterback for you. And and while it does sound like I'm making the case for Bench and Carson, I think the 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 all the bottom line is you have to give him that opportunity from a quarterback standpoint to overcome these issues. Um, that's the first, that's the first thing you have to see if he can overcome them. You have to see if, uh, other combinations on the offensive line can work. Uh, it's going to happen by default now because we know that, uh, Sam Cosme is out for some time. Sadiq Charles is now in place and right guard. Uh, Wes Martin is in at center. Oh, excuse me. Nick, is it Wes or Nick? Nick, I think Nick Martin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nick Martin is in at center and, and then Cornelius Luke is in at right tackle. So it's, it's happening by default with the offensive line. And now you lose Jahan Dotson, um, but you and but you gain Brian Robinson. <laughs> so like there's some things, there's a give and take, but you have to see it through and see if he can if he can fight through his battles and fight through his hurdles and and overcome it. And and that's from the quarterback standpoint. The the next standpoint is is Ron Rivera. You can't bench Carson Wentz four weeks into this or well, five weeks into the season because if you bench him five weeks into the season, like you said, we got a long long season left Kyle and uh the way things have been going from a, a performance standpoint obviously things are frustrating things ain't working out but ultimately uh with what um with with currently uh 13 games left on the season on the schedule if you're benching him now you're telling us that you're not keeping him beyond 2022 you're telling us that you messed up you're telling us that You've also messed up to the point in which you made Dan Snyder and team pay $28 million for a quarterback that you gave up on with the, within the first month of the season. <laughs> that is terrible. And that is an indictment on your ability to find out or, or find talent and find um, and, and evaluate players because you stood on the table for this man. Your organization went to bat for him when people talked about him in, 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 on Twitter and on social media and in, on, and in interviews like, you stood on the table for this man, and he ain't coming through for you. So you did all that for what? I'd say give that man at least eight games. I say give that man at least to the bye week at the very least before you make a decision. I don't think you can do it right now, Kyle. Where are you at with that one? <laughs> well, like you say, you made a pretty good case for uh, for yanking him, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I think in the last two weeks, the offense has, has scored eight points a game. Basically, you know, I mean, because remember the safety, the defense scored two points uh, against uh, uh, in in week three. Um, And so, you know, the issue to me is I, you know, I know we're going to see we're going to see him for at least another week or two. But if you see, I mean, if if he goes out against the Titans and plays like he did the past two weeks, you you still need to see more. I mean, I I certainly wouldn't need to see any more. Oh, personally, personally. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me be clear. Um, I'm speaking from a standpoint of from an organizational view. I, I should have been clear. I personally, I don't, I don't look. I, I know what you're going to get from Carson, but I also don't think um, there's backups in place that that can really. Ha- I mean, Taylor Heineke, sure, but um, 
Sam Howe, may, I think that's a person where you got to give him some time, like maybe the Chicago game where you have a 10-day layoff. Right, right. You can prepare yeah. it. But personally, I'm I'm cool if it don't work out. But from an organizational standpoint, and if Ron Rivera wants to keep his job and 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 and, and have a some sort of savior, sure, Sam Howe may be it. But you want to ride over Carson just a little bit longer and see if things turn around. So yeah, I'm I'm speaking from an organizational standpoint. I should have been clear on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, again, for a couple on a couple things. I mean, one is just assuming we know. Uh, that Carson isn't the right fit. And, and, you know, thinking about it, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should have been more critical out of the gate. You know, it's like, do we really think that Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera are smarter than Chris Ballard and Frank Reich <laughs> and Howie Roseman and, and Doug Peterson? I mean, to think that they knew something that those guys didn't know um, and that both of those teams, you know, they were, they were red. They were very anxious to have, uh, Carson go by the time that he left each of those cities. Uh, and you don't feel that way unless, unless the situation has gone really bad. I mean, you know, if you think about it, like if, if, if Taylor Heineke would have left, uh, Washington last year to go somewhere else, we would have all wished him well. And, you know, it would have been, okay, look, it's great for his career. He's gonna, uh, get onto bigger and better things. We didn't, you know, people weren't, trying to usher him out the door. I mean, I think folks thought he should be a, a backup quarterback, but there was no ill will. And I don't think it's personally ill will against Carson. He seems like he's a good guy. He's got a charitable organization that he runs and all those kinds of things. I, he just doesn't seem to have um, all of the parts that it takes to be a successful quarterback anymore. But, but to your point about sort of, um, again, organizationally, does it make sense? What I wrote about when I, 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 I said it's time to move on from him is I said, let's bring in Taylor. And, and the reason I, I agree, I don't want to bring in Sam Howe yet. I don't want to throw him to the wolves at this point. I don't think he's ready, but I'd love to see Taylor come in and see if we can isolate how bad this offensive line allegedly is. I think the offensive line has not been great. I think there's been, obviously there's been lots of health issues and injuries. But I think Carson's made it look a lot worse than it than it is in practice. And he's, you know, he, we, we've corresponded a little bit on this. I think he's made the tackles look particularly terrible. And in fact, a lot of that's been him running into defensive ends or linebackers who are being held up by the tackles and getting sacks and that sort of thing. Um, and I think if we have Taylor in there uh, and if Taylor gets you know, sacked for five or six times in a game. Well, then we can probably say, look, it really is the offensive line. But what if Taylor goes in and gets sacked twice in the game and, you know, is able to avoid pressures and able, able to scamper away? Can we then say, well, Carson, prob you know, Carson's probably the bigger part of the problem. Um, I'd like to think that we probably could. And, and, and what I proposed was give Taylor three or four games from here on out. I mean, if he, you know, if he w wins three out of four, keep him in, keep him going. But if he goes two and two or one and three in those next four games, then, uh, and the offensive line seems like it's holding up, then bring Sam in and say, look, okay, we've got a, an offensive line that's average that we feel like is comfortable by that point. Cosme should be back. I would think anyways, uh, Wooly is obviously gone for the season. Uh, and Larson looks like he's probably going to be um, back as a center at some point here before too long, too. Um, but but then we can we could put Sam Howell in, you know, like you say, after the um, bye week or maybe um, ha second half of the season 
and see what we've got there. Because if we don't have something there, uh, and maybe even if we do have something there, I think we were going to probably want to use our first round draft pick on a quarterback next year. Uh, because again, I don't, I certainly don't see a scenario where Carson is the starting quarterback here in 2023 at this point. We know Taylor is not cut out to be a starting quarterback for the long haul. Uh, and even if Sam Howe, you know, by some miracle looks pretty good in the second half of the season, I think we want to um, hedge our bets and and have an option, an alternative option there, and that would be a first round quarterback drafted next year. So, I guess my point is, I don't much care that I mean, and, and it's easy for me to say because that's not not my job on the line. But I don't much care if Ron looks foolish for having invested all that time and money and energy into Carson. I think it's more important now that we um, that we not even try to like salvage the season, get to the playoffs. We try to figure out a way to safely give Sam Howell, um, uh, you know, a proving ground at some point this season to see what, so we see what he's got. Um, and, and like I say, also isolate this variable of how bad it really is the offensive line. Um, yeah. But I think the the one thing, cause like if you try to isolate it and I, I think the, the biggest thing, and especially for Ron, um, if you like moving on from Taylor, I mean, excuse me, Carson is one thing, but like you, you mentioned Kyle, we know who Taylor Heineke is. Like we know that. And um, we're starting to understand who Carson is in turn. Again, organizational viewpoint, they're starting to realize that, Hey, maybe we were wrong on our evaluation or maybe they knew this entire time that they were um, necessarily, they, they knew his limitations, but they were desperate enough to, to say F it. Um, we're going to go ahead and get him anyway and worry about the rest later. Um, so maybe and, and in the same vein, <laughs> in same process, lose a lot of players, a lot of key players as a result of, of taking on that $28 million. Um, but I think if you, if you understand that Carson isn't the guy and you're ready to move on, why? Like, and that's why I said, the, I, that's why I mentioned about with Chicago. Why even waste time with Taylor? Like what is like I understand from your standpoint you want to do a you essentially want to do a test and see how bad this offensive line is, but I'm saying <laughs> if we're going to put somebody in, it has to be the young guy because that's and 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 that's why I handed to it like that's the only way and, and it's a good way to talk about Ron Rivera in the same vein, Kyle. That's the only way I see Ron Rivera staying here is if he hits light or strikes lightning in the bottle because Sam Howe is magically some guy where it's like damn we had this on our roster the whole time and we didn't put this man on the field I, we can get if we go whatever i'm just making up a number because i don't have the schedule in front of me right now but if we go five and three in our last eight games with sam i'm hey i got some. we got something to work with moving forward i like how he's playing i like how he's seeing the field i i think we can do something with them like sam howe is is vince young and Ron Rivera is is uh is Jeff Fisher. Like this is this is the Titans all over again because like the way things are going downhill with this team at one and three right now, and obviously the season isn't over yet, but but it's probably like the worst one of the it's it's 2020 all over again in terms of how how bad they're starting. Um last year they were two and two at this point, but uh like if if you're getting to this point, like he's gonna need a savior because it's impossible to not talk about uh, a head coach being fired after his team has regressed 
the following two years after his first season. Um, and I think Sam Howe is probably going to be the only guy who can really come in and give him a chance. It can't be Taylor Heineke because we've seen him for 17 games last year. I mean, I totally agree with you, Jamal. And I think actually you've just given me an idea for a future article. because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. Sam Howe is his only savior. If we assume Carson Wentz is basically washed out, if Sam Howe doesn't work out for some reason, there's no, to me, there's no chance you give Ron Rivera the opportunity to pick your first round quarterback next year. Is there, I mean, uh, because you don't want to saddle the next guy with Ron's choice. And, um, you know, I don't know, there's, that's, that's not an option at this point. So you're absolutely right. Which, which maybe makes a case for starting Hal sooner rather than later so that you've got more opportunities to, to see him play. Like I say, I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't object to that if they said we're going to start Sam Howell this week. I'd say, okay, I'd rather see that than Carson Wentz. I do, though, think the the wiser course of action is let's give, like I say, the offensive line a little bit of time to hopefully um, congeal, um, show that it's not as bad as it looked like under uh, Carson, and have Taylor back there. I mean, the next two games especially the game against the bears. I mean, that should be a slam dunk. You should, you have to win that game. And I think even the Titans, especially, you know, with Traylon Burks out and, and they've got several defensive players out. I mean, they seem pretty vulnerable uh, and they're, they're not a powerhouse to begin with. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's Ryan Tannehill and, and Derek Henry looks like he's chugging his way back, but still I think they're, they should be a beatable team. Um so I don't know. I, you know, again, I, I feel, I do feel pretty strongly that I'd like to see um, this offensive line with a different quarterback behind it. And then, you know, once I've got a certain amount of confidence in it, uh, I'd be okay putting Sam Howell back there. And I think, you know, while Taylor's in, you're, you're grooming Sam Howell really heavily to be able to make sure he's got the playbook down to, to make sure that, you know, there's a, a, a pace to get him in, uh, in, you know, in the games, like I say, in a few weeks out. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you. Obviously, it's going to be a huge ego um, a hit for for Rivera to have to do that when he eventually does have to do it. And I think he's going to have to pull Carson before the end of the season, for sure. Um, and and it's, he's, he made some comments this week, and I think maybe it was one of his interviews with like J.P. Finley or something, where, you know, he seemed to be maybe mildly hinting at the need for a change. Now, what that change looks like exactly isn't clear, but, you know, he's probably not going to fire any coaches in the middle of the season. Um, so, Speaking of ego, um, this is a well-timed cow. I, you know, I, I appreciate you, man, because this transition is, is seamless. Ron Rivera, man, where, where are you at with Ron? Um, I... I think ego comes up a lot with when it comes to my analysis of Ron. And I, I don't mean to be like, there's nothing wrong at all with being an overly optimistic person. I know people personally, uh, coaches who coach in my high school or my former high school. Uh, and, and I love them to death, man. Shout out to AK. Um, <laughs> he loves, he loves his defense. He loves his team. And I love them. They're very good. Shout out to Charles Herbert Flowers High School, PG County. Um, but, you know, they have a nemesis. They have an Achilles heel in this state, in this county. And it is Wise. Wise High School is uh, the team that they just cannot, 
for whatever reason, either they fold, they get nervous, they just completely don't show up, or they just completely throw up on themselves for whatever reason. And AK will forever say, we could have had him. Um, we're going to get him next year. All these things from optimism. It's perfectly okay to be optimistic. The only flaw in a person who's that optimistic is one, they are blind or choose to be blind from what is staring them in the face. Um, they are uh, essentially choosing to look away from uh, the, the straight and narrow, the truth, but also they'll try to steer you away from the straight and narrow truth or whatever, whatever it may be, whether it's good or bad, they'll try to steer you away from obviously the bad and tell you why everything else is good. And um, again, we go back to Ron and and in my opinion, I think the ego, but also that optimism is, is really getting in his way because I've never seen a coach, uh, a leader um, who has been in a position like Ron who, who can't really acknowledge that, you know, he, she needs to be held accountable for some of the things that's going on. Not a we or not a player thing, but him himself. And and I looked some things up this week um, just to make sure that I wasn't tripping. And, you know, Jay Gruden, for all of his flaws, and understand before I even continue to everybody that's listening and to you, Kyle, as well, I am not saying who is better. I am not saying who is worse. I am not even saying Jay Gruden is an elite coach. I am saying for all of his flaws and for all of his issues and even for all of the good that he did from an offensive standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, when he messed up, Kyle, he has said, I have to do a better job at X, Y, Z. Um, I have that. I looked it up. You all can look it up as well. That's, that's listening. Look, look up. I have to blah, blah, blah with Jay Gruden. Um, and you'll understand that for for all of the things that he had, he still took accountabilities for what he was responsible for. And a head coach in Ron Rivera, who obviously allows his coordinators to coach and position coach to coach as well, you know, you're still responsible for some things. It's not like you're completely flawless. Like, what what are you responsible for? Tell the people what you're responsible for. Tell the people how you can do better. And, and I'll pause it there and give you the floor because I also heard something um, – on Sirius XM today while we're traveling on, on work travel. And he had an interview with Sirius XM. I don't know the radio show. I, I would love to give him credit. They asked him, what can you do better to help mitigate the penalties and mistakes from your team? And he completely avoided that part and went straight into uh, why uh, whatever penalty was what it was and why he disagreed with the very last penalty. Like he thought that one of the interceptions wasn't a penalty but he's, he listed everything else, but never said why he can do or what he can do to, to become a better coach or to help his players out and reduce penalties. And it was a very straightforward question, and he completely dodged it. So I'm going to get a floor to you on your thoughts around Rivera, but that's where I'm at, man. It's it's a lot going on, but I think from a leadership standpoint, uh, for a person to avoid the I in terms of accountability is, is a very uh, dangerous situation to be in because I don't think he'll ever get to it, and it's two and a half years in. Yeah, I mean, there is a ton to unpack there, and I'll try to try to tackle it as I can. Um, one of the things that I did this week was sort of, you know, I, I talked about some of the things that Ron, you know, the the platitudes that Ron puts forth that that annoy me at times. But I went back and, as part of that, you know, reread his introductory presser, you know, when he when he was announced as the head coach, and 
one of the things that he said there, I mean, he said a variety of things, and I'll try to talk about several of them here. But one of the things that he said there was that my, you know, basically my tenure here, my focus here is going to be focused on one thing. And do you remember what that thing was by any chance? Um, no, but that's what he, you're here for. Yeah. <laughs> discipline. We're going to be focused. We're going to be focused on discipline. And, you know, for the past two and a half years, have, have you do I mean, do you have any perception that this team is a disciplined team? Oh, I mean, the, the defense has been characterized by a lack of discipline. It's been called out by Jack Del Rio and Rivera is undisciplined. It's been pretty obvious in terms of gap integrity and all those kinds of things. Like you say, the, the penalties, it's, you know, indicative of undisciplined play. Yeah, I agree with Ron. The the uh, the refereeing in that game was terrible. I said it on Twitter. It was one of the worst games I'd ever seen in terms of, um, you know, penalty calling. But still, you know, the, the penalties were there. It was just that they were seemed to be calling penalties uh, fair, in a fairly lopsided fashion. It wasn't that the penalties they called were necessarily um, not penalties. So, you know, there was that element. And then the other piece that that came out in that in that sort of uh, revisiting his introductory presser was talking about, you know, how he views the team as a family. And I, you know, it's an, you know, again, a lot of this is coach talk. I mean, we've all been around what coaches say and they all, they say all sorts of things, but if you think about it, you know, a family, oftentimes football teams or any kind of team, they, they are, they have a, a family like atmosphere, you know, especially the team itself. It's, it's a team of, of equals who are putting themselves on the line for each other and doing all sorts of things that are, you know, that are similar to what families would do for each other. But I don't think as a coach and, you know, again, I could be wrong on this. You may disagree. I don't think the relationship of a coach to his players is one of family. You don't, it's, it's like in a, you know, if you're running a business, you the business, the people who are working for you aren't your family members. You can treat them fairly. You can treat them kindly but they aren't your family members. Your family, you know, you bend over backwards to to um, treat your family right and to do things for them, even if they're chuckleheads and maybe they don't deserve it in a certain sense. And you can't deal with people in a business context or in a context where there are uh, a results-driven outcome that, like your family members, you know, there's got to be a, hi a hierarchical relationship there between the guy who's completely in charge, which is Ron, who and whose job is on the line, and the people who report to him. And like I said, it doesn't mean he's got to be rude to them or he's got to be um, treat them unfairly, but there has to be a clear understanding that you, you're going to do it my way. And if you don't do it my way and you're undisciplined, you're going to suffer consequences, that whether that's being benched or whether that's, you know, whatever that is. And and he did he did actually say that at one time he said if if the players do it my way then we're going to take the blame and if the players don't do it my way or our way it's going to be on them and we've seen the Jam and Davis situation where if they don't do it his way it's on them you know they're definitely going to get rolled under the bus in the uh, in the presser essentially which um, you know that is what it is but I've like you yet to see a situation where he or any of the coaches have put it on themselves. Maybe Scott Turner has been uh, in a couple of his pressers. He's taken some blame for some of the, the problems, but I don't think either Rivera or Jack Del Rio have really taken much responsibility for where this team is. And whether that's because they're not coaching well, or because the players aren't, aren't, aren't taking to their coaching, 
it's happening and they bear responsibility for that ultimately at the end of the day. I thought one of the most damning things that he said this week was we should be better than this. Yeah, Ron, you should be better than this. You've got a lot of talent. You got a lot of first rounders on this roster and they're not performing. And if they're not performing and they're talented individuals, who's to blame for that? The coaching staff. I mean, there's no, there's no other way about it. And so, you know, I think, it's like he's not connecting the dots or I, I, you know, I don't know if it's hubris or like you say, ego. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh to Ron personally because I have nothing personally against the man. But I think yeah. that it's not good from a coaching perspective um, to to do a lot of the things that he's doing. I don't think it's a, an effective way to be a coach. And I think um even though it's coach speak, I think you can do some translations of the coach speak and figure out, you know, what, what the problems are. So uh, I don't know. Again, like I said, there's a lot to unpack there, but that's, those are kind of my thoughts on, on that situation. Yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, I, I think that obviously again, it's, it's, it's four games in. And um, I think that the important thing is with four games in you, I understand. And I think we all understand that, um, knowing who Ron is from a, a, a viewpoint of, of being an optimistic individual and, and trying to see the best of a situation or trying to get things turned around. Clearly he was frustrated this weekend and that's obvious, but I think four games in, you know, he's allowing himself that opportunity to, to really, you know, stick to his guns and that's okay. Like I said, it's, it's perfectly okay. Um, but in that same vein, I, I think a sense of, ur- sense of urgency is also acknowledging that, you know, it's not just the player's fault. Um, and, and he's he said we, again, he said we um, in terms of that aspect. But uh, sometimes the I think when you when you miss when you have opportunities to to have people understand that, you know, you're flawed as well, um, especially when you're one in three, like it's clearly one in three in a, in a very big year for you. Um, you have to acknowledge that you can do better as well. And uh, until you can't see, until you can see that you can do better, uh, maybe it's a, a weight off your shoulder. I don't know. And again, I think you're right. The, 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 um, the way in which, you know, you don't want to get personal with Ron, right? Because this is all from a coaching standpoint, but the way in which you do, you know, accept that, that role of, of being a leader, I think for me personally, and, and this may be small to other people that's listening, um, uh, this is just probably just a, a way in which I, I, I identify a person who's trying and a person who understands that, you know, some things do lie at your feet. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on with Ron. We'll see how he can, um, bounce back, I guess, against Tennessee. And, and we'll tap into Tennessee for a quick second here. Uh, but, uh, any last thoughts on Ron before we get to, uh, Brian Robinson and that, that offensive line? No, no, not really. Again, um, yeah, you can see Ron Frang. I think you know, like you're talking about this week. Clearly, he's his frustrations are there, um, and it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, if they lose to the Titans, I, I really think this amps up, you know, another another level over the course of the coming week. And I'm not looking forward to that. If they win, you know, that, certainly that takes some pressure off. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's made me call into question. Um, and I think a lot of people call into question sort of Ron's long-term, um, you know, ability to be here. I mean, this is, we're out of the rebuild, Ron, you know, there's no more talking about, um, he keeps telling people that the team is young. Right. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Jaguars are young too. And the, you know, the, the Eagles Giants, are younger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like g- give it a rest that worked for year <laughs> one and year two, but I don't want to hear it anymore. Uh, sounds good, Cal. Tell me about Brian Robinson, man. Um, obviously we know that he's been activated off pup and I think, uh, you know, better than me again, for those who don't know, I came in straight from the field, got on my headset, um, and, started chopping it up with cows so uh don't test my dedication <laughs> but with that being said i don't know exactly everything else with, with brian do we have any further updates with brian yeah. robinson in terms of um i know we got activated is he is he actually act is he going to play this sunday or they're not entirely too sure yet they're not sure he practiced he was practicing today he took a you know there was a lot of footage of him on twitter from the the press corps. Um, and he looked good. Uh, you know, my suspicion, and I, and I'm, I don't know exactly why I think this, but I think Brian Robinson could have gone all, you know, I think, I feel like maybe he could have gone on week one. Now that's kind of ridiculous given that that was a, a week or two after he had been shot two weeks, maybe after he had initially been shot. But, uh, one of the things he said uh, that appeared in the press was he said I was it was the worst it was the the darkest time in my life when, when I was in the hospital you know right after that shooting and remember he was only in the hospital for like a day or two yeah. I mean he wasn't in very long but you get the sense that this guy I mean he is just laser focused driven he 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 seems to eat breathe breathe sleep football, football. he is he a in training camp player. too yeah yeah he is a football player i mean you can just look at him and see he's intense as hell he's like he seems very no nonsense to me and so i think you know i think if it were up to him uh it would be no question that he'd be playing this week my my again my gut and not just sort of based on i don't know intuition is that you know, I think he probably will be active. I think he's probably going to be used in a, you know, a reduced role from where he would eventually be when he's fully healthy, um, just to make sure that he's up and running. But I don't, you know, in, in looking at him practice, I don't see any evidence that it's, that there was, you know, severe damage that was um, causing his ability to, you know, slowing his ability to run or those kinds of things. And I think if there had been, I think, you know, he would have been out for half the season or he might have been out for all of the season. I'm guessing, you know, thank goodness that whatever happened was probably fairly superficial in terms of uh, the bullet wounds. And so um, I think I mean, again, my gut is that he's going to play some this week um, and that's exciting for him, obviously, um, and for his recovery. But it's also exciting because I think, you know, potentially it opens up some flexibility uh, with Antonio Gibson in terms of what we've seen. Um, and, and maybe I need to get uh, on that kickoff. Yeah, exactly. I, I please take Dax Milne off the kickoff. <laughs> um, and, uh, he's slow, man. He's I, slow. Look, I seen that in person. I, I told, I told my friend, I, I seen him field a punt, um, or may, it was either a punt or, I mean, obviously it was either a punt or a kick. And, and I saw him getting like getting ready. I saw the decision in real time. Like, do I take this out? Do I not take this out? And I said, bro, you are not fast enough to take this back to the 25. Do not do it. And by God's, like, on everything, the man got, like, the 17, 18-year line. Um, and it was, so, it was so frustrating to see in real time how slow he was, knowing that he was not going to be able to get it out as quickly. Um, and it's frustrating because I know his, I was right in front of his family or right behind his family. 
so I know I know they were rude for him. It just did not work out for him. But yeah, he's slow, man. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, I'm, I'll give you back the floor. But AG, he, I hope he gets back uh, at kickoff. Right. Well, and I hope Gibson. Though I hope Gibson won't be taking him out of the end zone either. You know, it's like <laughs> please. I trust him. Gibson. He's <laughs> yeah. playmaker in space. I, I trust him more than Dax Milne, but it's like. Yeah. You know, it's just I can't stand it when they get taken down at the 17 or 18. But anyway, <laughs> um, and I think the other piece is, you know, it's it, having a more stable um, running back. You know, not that Gibson's been poor. And, and Jonathan Williams played pretty well the other day, too. Yeah, but, it, you know, it allows if they can get that run going, it gives the offensive line a little bit more time to get comfortable and get them, you know, in beating up on the defensive uh, ends and tackles as opposed to getting having to defend on the pass side. So I think it, it can potentially open quite a few things up. Again, I don't think it re- we really see the full impact of that against the Titans, probably maybe against the Bears if he's if he's well enough, we can do that. Um, but I, I'm excited. I mean, you just you know, I was crushed when I, when I heard that he had been shot. I mean, like I say, anybody just sort of in the the beginning of their career, especially somebody who's um, so committed to this stuff, you don't want to see that happen. I mean, you don't want to see it happen to anybody. So I'm I'm glad to see he's back and, and you really do get a sense of how much being a football player is, is part of what keeps him going, which, uh, you know, good for him. Um, I I really hope he can uh, make the most of it. Yeah, and for for all this worth with this offensive line, I think, like I said, I I thought that a, Antonio Gibson, um, he's had some you know missed opportunities here and there, but for the most part, I thought he was solid. And I honestly think that uh, the last two weeks he put forth a, a very good effort in terms of uh, creating yards for himself. Um, and I think for for all of that being said, uh, there would be. I don't know. Like it's it's hard to see because because this offensive line and, and it creates so many question marks in terms of what they can do in the run game and pass game. Like uh, Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell were some issues in the run at one point, and um, I, I thought that they would go to a gap scheme. And with Sadiq Charles coming back in, I don't know. Like he's an athlete, they can probably be a little bit more versatile um, in terms of like keeping it open with gap and uh, zone schemes. But uh, with that being said, I, I don't. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to utilize Brian just yet. I don't know if they're going to have him on a pitch count. I don't know if he's going to be a full go. But I also think that for Brian and, and for all this worth for, for this offense, if he can create yards, uh, the hidden yards that, you know, Antonio Gibson struggles to, to do, again, he gets the yards that's there. Antonio does. But in terms of hidden yards and, and being a playmaker, uh, as a running back, like a natural vision guy, a natural instinctive guy that Brian Robinson showed that he was in preseason, um, I think that that can take a, a huge load off this offense, whether it's through the pass game and the run game or the run game. And um, that's going to be lovely in terms of trying to stay ahead of the sticks, st- staying ahead of the chains. And um, for for all it's worth, <laughs> for the people that's turned sour on Carson Wentz, keeping the ball out of his hands. Like if you can if you can limit his exposures, from what I understand, I think he's thrown it forty times. And this is me not looking at the stats, but I remember forty times at least in two of the two of these three games, and yeah. maybe all three. Um, and and you have to lower that number. You have to keep him within that thirty marker. Um, and and may, slightly over thirty, okay, maybe, but you have to keep him around that thirty marker. And I think Brian Robinson and company is capable of doing it. Um, I don't know what this means in terms of. If, we're, if they're going to keep those four running backs or, or put one back on practice squad, obviously that'll be Jonathan Williams. Um, but I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but you have to find a way uh, 
to stabilize your offense and, and try to find something in the ground game because, uh, yeah, it's, it's having Carson Wentz being your offense or, or to be your offense is, is, a, is a grave mistake. And, and hopefully uh, Brian Robinson can come back like he never left. Yeah, one of the interesting things I saw pointed out today, and you might have some thoughts on this, was that uh, there was a there was an idea that maybe with Dotson down uh, for a week or two, that might change the offense a little bit in an interesting way, which is that you know maybe you go with more uh, two tight end sets, or you're you're maybe you know you're throwing to the running back more. That basically having the three receivers, Samuel, Dotson, and McLaurin out there, was. Um, putting a lot of pressure on uh, Carson to be looking for deeper passes for, for more longer developing routes. And maybe what, what needs to be done is that we've got uh, a little bit more focus on the underneath shorter stuff and that having Dotson out might change um, the character of the, uh, the offense a little bit. Not that you, you want him out obviously under ideal circumstances, but, but that, that might sort of be a byproduct. Um, and you know, I don't know. I, I, I still feel like even you're trying to, to play that short underneath um, game that that Carson just struggles with accuracy uh, and, and sort of the force of throws in that range. And he's just, you know, even though they're trying to get him to do some more of it, it's, he's just not very effective at it, um, which is, uh, which is unfortunate because my own feeling is that the team, and, and again, you might disagree is that the team right now, like should be focusing more on successively getting first downs rather than trying to, you know, nail the big player or, or um, trying to really score quickly. Obviously Carson's capable of that under the best circumstances, but I just don't think it's reliable enough to be able to count on it. And, 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 you know, this team needs to put some points on the board and, and sort of, um, go a little bit more slowly as opposed to trying to, to just uh, to score points in bunches at this point, I think. Um, so. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you um, at all. I think what's challenging is, is how Scott Turner is struggling to, to find his way with Carson on the field. Um, but also like through his actual play calling as well, like for a good period of time, even into the Philly game, um, you know, they had so many vertical routes with their receivers, um, intermediate deep routes. And, uh, you know, it's forcing Carson to, to really uh, play with anticipation um, and also, you know, stick into the pocket a little bit longer than probably what he's comfortable with. And it forces him to, you know, miss some things. It forces him to take some sacks. And, but I think with, with the receivers that he had, I, it's, it's been the challenge of Carson. I mean, excuse me, it's been the challenge of Scott Turner really, trying to understand how you can utilize these guys uh, against, well, first off, there's, there's even a ton of other things as well, like pre-snap understanding of where to go with the football, right? Um, with, with Carson, uh, some of the things that, that really hurt him is uh, how they're able to disguise coverages, but also, um, excuse me, they meaning um, uh, Detroit and like, cause Jacksonville played a very soft game and, and basically handed it to him anything that he wanted um, and, and that's what really made things easy in terms of him finding those running backs or those short areas of field. Like they weren't, they were just trying to make some tackles and they failed to do it. But with, um, with, uh, Detroit, who was much more aggressive, Philadelphia was much more aggressive. The, the Cowboys, which was much more aggressive in terms of their back end coverage, uh, and obviously with their pass rushing, uh, that is what really created some issues with Carson and, 
Um, it's, it's like it's a challenge of trying to understand the route combinations, uh, trying to figure out, you know, how the middle of the field can work, uh, how you can work like short area routes with your, your best receivers who can win um, with, excuse me, their athletic ability and, and forcing defenders to stick with them as long as they can and, uh, and, 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 and enforce those mismatches. But also have Carson Wentz see it. Um, like the slant, the slant, slant, flat combination routes that they ran against Dallas, uh, Carson either would now he's hit, he hit some, but like he missed opportunities for, for bigger yardage, um, on slant routes and in flat routes by either not seeing it or finding a guy in, in, and just wildly missing them from an accuracy standpoint. And those are short area routes. So, Scott Turner is understanding some ways to try to, you know, work the football on those short area of the fields, but it's not often, but it's also not helping with your quarterback <laughs> missing opportunities. So with all that being said, I, I think um, the way in which you can obviously use your running backs and um, use your receivers and because, I mean, obviously Jahan is, is gone now and you mentioned that. Uh, and I don't know how long he's going to be gone. I know that much. I think it's still undecided or undetermined. But uh, finding ways to to kind of work those short areas is probably going to still create challenges moving forward. You got the Titans up next, and uh, their pass rush is still going to be a problem. The interior is going to be interesting. Um, and, and I can't tell you right now how this new lineup now, Andrew Norwell had some issues early on, but I think he settled in. I'm not saying he's really good or, or very good or, or good, but I think he he's competent enough, and, and we'll see how he can handle the the Titans. But I think that um, there's going to be a lot in play in terms of that short level and how Scott Turner can really get the ball out of Turner. I'm excuse me, Wentz's hands quickly, and if Wentz is is trusting in himself to to not hesitate um, when he sees something. And, and hold on to the ball or, or uh, pat the ball, which is, you know, just essentially like a um, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins did this a lot too, like just patting it instead of throwing it on that. As soon as you hit that drop step, like you have to find a way to get the ball out of his hand quickly. And uh, it's just really in his nature and, and you have to find a way to, to, to get it out of him. You have to find a way. If you want him on the field, you want to win with the, the routes that you can, you know, that's going to win against certain coverages. You have to force Carson and tell Carson, get the ball out of his hands. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But it's it's a challenge, man. This combination in terms of coach uh, talent, which is really good. And, and and Scott Turner sees it. Like, his eyes got big after that first game against the Jaguars. Like, he, it's all he knows is, is send these guys down the field, <laughs> throw some Hail Mary bombs out there, pray for the best. <laughs> and and it, has to, it has to get better. Um, and I, I think – um, it's going to be interesting to see how Carson Wentz changes his approach and if he can change his approach at first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, and I mean, that's the hope, I guess I, I'm, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm, I'm skeptical. I mean, I, I felt like, because I felt like coming into the off season, honestly, that was where I was. It's like the, this, if you look at Carson's career, this is, this is the piece of his game that has been missing is the short middle game and, and being able to just sort of like settle for whatever, four or five yards uh, per reception and, and, you know, take what, what you've got as opposed to, to going deep. I mean, if I see them, you know, try to throw a 20 or 30 yard pass on like, you know, third and six again, mm-hmm. I'm going to pull out whatever little hair of my hair, of my hair is remaining. It's like, you know, come on. It's just, that's a low probability 
option, you know, and if this drive dies, um, then, you know, we're just going to be punting and, and going through this again. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's really frustrating and I, I wish he could do that, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Uh, but I, I think it, in order for him to succeed, that's got to happen. Or, you know, we've got to try to duplicate what the Colts did with Jonathan Taylor with Brian Robinson yeah. uh, this year, which, you know, even with Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best running back in the league last year, um, they still didn't make the playoffs. And I don't know, that's maybe that's the way to go uh, is try to, to put it on Robinson's back. But I just feel like that's um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that that's ultimately going to be very successful. I mean, it'll be mildly successful, but but I think it would be a lot more successful if Carson would just take the easy, <laughs> easy check downs. Yeah. I um, mean, but take them, but, but hit them. Like, yeah, he, that man, that man got to find a way to, to stabilize his core in terms of his, his technique and stuff like that. And the, his mechanics, I guess, uh, because he, it's a lot going on, Kyle. And I think the biggest thing in, in the most, and the best thing that anybody can say in relation to, it's not good for podcasts, but in real life, if you, like I don't know. Like it, it really is. A I don't know situation in terms of can he turn things around? Uh, and, and I'm actually in agreement with you. I've I've been in agreement with with Carson. I don't know if he can do it. This it's the reason why we even discussed <laughs> Sam Howell and, and and Taylor Heineke to begin this. Um, so I'm I'm with you with that one. Uh, last thing, a uh, couple things on your mind. Whatever it is, uh, how 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 do they turn things around against Tennessee? Uh, and, and can they turn things around against? So I know it goes against, I, I'm not sure if it goes against the analytics, but I know it goes, goes against the common practice. I, if, if they win the, if they win the um, coin flip, I'd take the ball on offense first. I think this team should go down with authority, march down, get some points on the board, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown and just calm things down. Basically, you know, indicate, look, the offense is going to be here. The offense is going to help the defense out uh, and then get some defensive you know, stands. And, and again, if the defense plays basically like it's played for the past couple of weeks, I think we're good. I mean, it's, it's been, the run defense has been very good. And, you know, that's, look, you're going up against Derek Henry. You've got to have a, a good run defense. Um, so if the run defense, uh, you know, plays well and the secondary plays, okay, gosh, I mean, that's, this is a whole nother episode, Jamal, talking about the secondary and what's going on there with everybody getting shifted around. But um, I, I think, this I, I feel like this could be a low scoring game like, yeah, I don't know, maybe like a 17, 21 game or something like that. Um, but we've got to I think the offense has to go out early uh, and establish that it's going to be part of the success of the team. Um, and and honestly, I, I'm, I'm usually not a guy who's, um, you know, a huge run first guy. But I, I think, you know, if the run's working, I mean, one, try to use the run and then don't be afraid to run it down their throats. I felt like against the Cowboys and you were there in person. I felt like, look, the run was, oh, it was hitting. working. Just, it was hitting. just keep driving it down their throats. And, and they, they sort of relented and it was like, it didn't make a lot of sense to me um, why, why they didn't try it more. And by the second half, Dallas had adjusted and they basically were able to, to quash it. But I felt like in the first half, there was an opportunity just to play like smash mouth, football and get, you know, I don't know, get a touchdown, get 10 points, something like that. Um, and so that's what I'd hope they focus on uh, this week. Um, definitely not trying to get into a shootout or anything like that with the, the uh, Titans. 
just really trying to, to play sound fundamental football. Um, and, uh, and again, like I say, really focus on, on the run and on a shorter passing game that maybe opens up some opportunities deeper for, for once if, if they're there. I mean, I think one of the interesting things to me is that with Dotson down, that gives Diami Brown, it's going to open a brief window for Diami Brown for the next two weeks or whatever that Dotson's out with his hamstring. Um, he can either show that he belongs in the pros or he's basically going to become, you know, relegated to the the fourth wide receiver on this team at competing for that job for the next couple of years, probably. Um, so he's got a chance, but but I also don't think the short game, the underneath stuff that we've been talking about, is what he's well suited to. You know, I mean, he, his game is the the um, the deeper uh, the deeper routes, post routes, uh, skinny posts, yeah, post routes, and stuff like that. And so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. He may not make anything in the next couple of weeks, but but I think he needs to recognize personally that he's got a lot riding on uh, the the uh, opportunity to showcase his talents for the next next couple of weeks. And hopefully he'll he'll show out. I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a good mix of him and Cam Sims. To be honest with you, uh, I think Dax Mill will probably take a back seat um, to both of those players, uh, but. Uh, to to Tennessee, it's it's a lot. I mean, it comes down. It, it's going to come down to 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 time 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 management, uh, time of possession. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, both teams are going to try to you know maintain possession as long as they can, in a sense of trying to establish the ground game. Uh, we know that you know uh, uh, um, Rabel is a guy who, for better or for worse, is going to use. Derrick Henry, like it's a reason why Derrick Henry doesn't play in the preseason. <laughs> um, that man is is taking 300 carries a season. <laughs> He's not going to waste none of those snaps in preseason on on Derrick Henry. And um, this is one of those games where you're facing a team. If you're Washington, you're facing a team who needs to establish the ground game to be successful. Who needs to uh, create opportunities through Derrick Henry. Um, and, 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 and try to provide for their offense that way and obviously keep their defense fresh as well. Uh, but, but ultimately, uh, that's what it really comes down to is understanding who Derrick Henry is, but also meeting that level of physicality. I love the way that the, the defense have been playing. Excuse me, let me be clear. Um, I love the competitiveness. I love the, the intensity that they've been playing with the last two weeks. Um, obviously, it's waned um, on occasion from, from certain, certain instances, obviously a quarter in, against Philadelphia, uh, but also uh, on occasion against Cooper Rush and, and them boys. Uh, but for overall, for what it's worth, um, they've been standing tall, waiting for their offense to show up. So I, I love the way they've been playing. I, I'm I'm looking forward to a matchup against Derrick Henry. He's one of my favorite running backs. He's actually, I think he's a Hall of Fame back right now. Um, so I love to see this matchup, and it's going to be very good to see it. Uh, just from an overall love of the game standpoint, but in terms of Washington, that's one way, and offensively, I'm looking at a situation where, um, you know, if you if you have to find a way to stay on the field, um, I'm not even going to waste everybody's time. I think it has a lot to do with Brian Robinson. Um, it has a lot to do with, and I'm not going to put that much pressure on him per se. Is is really the running backs in the ground game? Um, you have to find a way to to stick to it if you're Scott Turner, but you have to find creative ways to to get the football downfield. Um, I look at how Kansas City, and I look at how Los Angeles, the Rams how they're able to to utilize their playmakers at or near the line of scrimmage um, and, and, and get those five to six yards, those Chiefs five to six yards, and maybe even break one 
big because because the defense is full. And I'm not sitting here saying, why can't Scott Turner do that? I know why he can't do it. But I think that what he needs to do is, is study them a little bit and figure out ways in which you can utilize your playmakers that way. Um, and and it, that never hurts to really understand how other teams are using their best players. Like, you can do that in the season. You don't have to do that in the offseason. Um, and, and obviously, it, it may take some time for him to, you know, get back to the bag or that he had against Jacksonville. But, you know, if you empty the, the, the quote-unquote clip or playmaking clip or, or play call clip in the first game, that that is a problem. And I don't think he did is, is my point. So you have to find a way to get back to it, but you also have to find a way to get your guys the ball um, as quickly as possible. Uh, and, and that's just not about the fact that they don't use the short game, but it's, a fa- it's about the fact that you're scheming these guys to play. Like it, it reduces the stress level <laughs> on Carson Wentz um, and, and knowing that he just has to get it to this guy. Um, and, and I like how uh, Dallas is handling uh, Cooper Rush. Like they're making him – like just two reads. That's all you need. Like he's he's using two reads in in Dallas, and if that one read isn't there, he's going to the other one. If neither is there, he's he's dumping it off. And if that isn't there, uh, you know, dead play. Like it, like it's it's very easy for Cooper Rush, and I think that uh, for all the the complexities and and nuances of of an offense, sometimes simplifying it for it for a team and for a quarterback who can who you know can probably stretch the field vertically. Uh, I think simplifying an offense can can do wonders for them as well because they're not thinking too much. And obviously, the offensive line is going to play a part too. You need them to hold up, but you have to, you can't sit here and say you're doomed from a, from a team standpoint. You can't sit here and say you're doomed um, just because you know things aren't working right now. You have to find ways. You have to find ways to get better. This is the team that you built. These are the players that you brought in, and, and that's kind of where I'm at, man. It, it, they they have to find a way. And uh, for us. Like, do I think things are going to change? Uh, I have a low percent belief in it. But for them, they have to find a way. And uh, whatever that may be, that creativity is still there for Scott Turner. You have to find it and you have to you have to use utilize it, Um, Kyle. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, I don't know. Uh, We'll see how it how it comes out. I think this is I actually think this is a I don't want to say it's like a code red game or anything like that, but I think this is a critical game for the team because if they, if they come out and they, again, like I say, they look like they looked in the past couple of games that the seat to me, the season is over. If they come out, try hard and they lose. Okay. Well, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's an interesting season and maybe like a, you know, 500 record is, is possible. And if they win, of course, then, you know, um, that's a great situation too, because I think they can beat. I think they should beat the bears. So, you know, it's, it's entirely possible to be 500 uh, after the next two weeks, if they, if they do this right. But I think this game in particular uh, is going to be a real nice barometer for, do they have what it takes to write the ship um, to be able to beat a team that, that they should beat and, um, and be able to adjust their game plan uh, to, to, to be something different than kind of what they've tried so far this season. So it's going to be a real, it'll be a really interesting uh, tale in terms of how it plays out. Absolutely. Kyle, I appreciate you once again for uh, rolling with me on this hectic week I have, man. And, and, and obviously your thoughts are always appreciated uh, for the show as well. So uh, you take care uh, this evening. I don't know what you got going on, but don't let this team also stress you out uh, to the level in which 
um, it stressed out my friend <laughs> that went to me went with me to Dallas. <laughs> I know it's always it's always good talking with somebody, Jamal. This is like my therapy, you know. So, yeah. uh, no, it's good. Absolutely. 